Welcome to the No Mongo Podcast, a weekly show about all things skateboarding. My name is Rick Beta, and today I have two amazing guests with me. Betsy Gordon is the co-organizer of InnoSkate, a festival celebrating invention and creativity in skate culture. She also curated Ramp It Up, Skateboard Culture in Native America at the Smithsonian's National Museum of the American Indian. And Jane Rogers is a sports curator specializing in extreme and adapt sports history at the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History. Jane also curated Everyone Plays, A History of Adaptive Sports and Snowboarding. And they both have a new book out called Four Wheels and a Board, which we'll get to in a little bit. But needless to say, I'm very excited to talk to these two today. Betsy, Jane, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. How are you doing for one? I'll get get to the nuts and bolts of it. How's your Friday doing so far? Mine's okay. Not bad. You know, good. weather's good. So, you know, vacation's coming. So I'm uh, I'm all for uh, Friday night. Yeah, yeah. I think I might have, I just packed up the book and sent it to my son in La Jolla. So I know he's going to get the book with my signature on it. So that's, nice. <laughs> I'm trying to hit those holiday deadlines of people getting stuff. That's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I want to talk to your son about your son a little bit too. But but first, I guess we'll start off. So we'll start. Um, I guess we'll start with you, Betsy. You know what? Who or what got you into skateboarding? Oh, my son. I'm a skate mom. Um, he started skating young. Maybe he was around eight or so, and I think he had a Toys R Us skateboard. You know, I mean, just a piece of crap skateboard. Mm-hmm. Um. And he really loved it. And he liked all sports and he still does like all sports. He's a very active, fit person. And he, you know how skaters find each other. We were taking a walk with the dog one day and he saw a group of kids skating and they were really good skaters. And they were like 10, 11, you know, they were the big boys. And he started hanging out with them and I got him a decent skateboard then. Um, and that was it. He, be, you know, he didn't skate. He became a skateboarder. Nice. It was such a, such a thing for him and his friends. And, you know, I was, because Baltimore didn't have a skate park, I would be driving them to kind of like um, weird places, loading docks behind a Safeway, you know, grocery store and stuff like that. And um, I just thought it was a good thing. And, uh, you know, then to connect the dots with Jane in around what about 10 years ago, Jane, I did the Ramp It Up show. I had discovered that there was a skateboard identity um, in, in Native America, which really interested me. And I thought it would make a good show. And it, it, the, the ball keeps on spinning. And somehow Jane and I get to know each other over Tony Hawk's 1980s skateboard wanted to donate it to the Smithsonian and that meant that Jane had to be involved in it so that's how Jane and I met and we just kept up this professional relationship around skateboarding to the point where now Jane has a collection of what over 600 skateboard objects in your collection yes ma'am yeah nice so um it wasn't um 
I never sat down and said, one day I'm going to write a book about skateboarding and I'm going to be working with this. You know, it was just it was just all very happenstance. I think it was when both of us realized there was kind of a catalyst for us with the Olympics, the 220, the 2020 Olympics. We thought, mm-hmm. wow, 2020 Olympics are coming up. Jane has a really good collection of skateboard stuff. Maybe we should write a book. And that's really how much thought went into it. <laughs> it was all very spontaneous. I love that. I also love the fact that, because going back to you're talking about your son, you you took him to like, uh, like you said, not just typical spot. You were you you like loading docks and stuff like that. I mean, that's awesome. Just I mean, wh- whose idea was that? His idea is like, hey, mom, take me over here. Or were you kind of leading that? How did that work out? Just go back hey, to that. Hey, mom, you know, can you pick up? you know, and he'd name three or four, and we need to go to this spot in Towson, which is not too far away from Baltimore City. And I'd be driving going, are you sure you want to go here? Because <laughs> it was always the, the weirdest place. It wasn't sketchy so much because, you know, we're from the city. So we know, I mean, I wasn't driving him to dangerous places. I was just driving him to street spots. Yeah. So it would be like a handrail at a schoolyard or something like that. And then there were some places downtown um, that uh, everybody skated. So I was I wasn't dropping him off anywhere except you know a, a good ledge, a good set of stairs, a loading dock because you know there weren't any skate parks and he's a street skater. Yeah. Did and, you uh, you have any run-ins with like security or the cops or yeah, police out there? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I remember that's... the police called me. He has went... run-ins with the cops besides skateboarding, so don't <laughs> yeah, let that's it fool a... you. Yeah. Yeah, I, would, I would get a phone call saying, you know, Mrs. Gordon, we have your son, Sam. We found him skateboarding. There's a place in Baltimore called Lyric. And, you know, at Lyric, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, like your point being. And they would say, and I know the law. Mm-hmm. So I'd say, well, you know, what law is he breaking? Um, it's public property. He's is he causing any vandalism? And then they'd hang up on me because they realized <laughs> that I wasn't gonna. I was gonna just be that skate mom. <laughs> I mean, and, talk about just memories, right? The, the memories you created with that. You know, I'm sure he's gonna think down the road. Like, yeah, my mom was there. She got kicked out with me. Got police involved. You know, and all through skateboarding, which is probably, you know very, very, very cool. Well, you know, I think. I just thought it was a really great thing. I really liked his friends. I love, you know, they, this is the time when 411 video and VHS. Mm-hmm. So once one of them would get a new 411 video. So they'd all come over to our house and put it in and then like make popcorn or pizza, usually burn something. And um, I just thought it was a good way to grow up. And I, Jane has heard me say this. I think it makes really good citizens. They were good kids. They kind of, weren't in a lot of trouble they were never bored that's the thing that yeah. I really like. like they're always thinking about what they could do and you know they get some mania and they try to build a ramp mm-hmm. so that would mean just like seven million pounds of like pounding nails and splintered crappy plywood that they got somewhere take them a whole day yeah it was great well, and they learn to fall and get back up, you know, and that's just a normal thing in skateboarding. So it's like, you know, if you can do that in skateboarding, you can do that in life, too. So, you know, yeah. I know it's, it's the, the best it, thing. I agree. It makes good citizens. I think that learning to fall and getting up and never giving up is I mean, that's a that's a 
fundamental life skill. Mm-hmm. And because I saw that in my son, I was pre, you know, predisposed to actually really like skateboarders and think that they were very creative and very resilient. Um, I didn't think they were a bunch of bums. I think a lot of people were like, oh. Yep. I thought they were really, and I think I had to kind of convince Jane, these are, these are really interesting people. You know, they have interesting life stories. They're very creative, very inventive. Yep. Um, they make it up as they get along, as they go along. I mean, these are, these are people that I think, um, well, I think we capture their stories and they make really good stories too. Very true. So Jane, so you kind of got looped into the the skateboarding world, or do you have any um you know history um just tied to it, or how was your yeah? Background? No, I I was not a skate mom like that. See, I have four kids and they all skateboarded, but they did not mm-hmm. skateboard like skateboard. You know, yeah. they rode around the neighborhood and that kind of thing. But like you know, like I did when I was ten and eleven. Um, definitely didn't become a skateboarder, but I've you know, in my work in my job as a sports curator, I have um every kind of sport you ever want to think about I'm responsible for. Mm. And when you're like that, you're like kind of a jack of all trades, master of none. So I kind of needed to get a, to be a master in something. And it just kind of fell into line with the skateboarding with Betsy and Tony Hawk. And then Mm. the Innescape, um, it just kind of all gelled together. And that just led to, you know, building a collection. And then the natural progression of that is to write a book. So, you know, it's just, kind of how it worked out that's good and and you mentioned in skate. so do you do you two work together on that as well or how does that work for uh... no um that was more of a betsy and so the lumelson center is um of invention and innovation is a part of american history they're located mm-hmm. in our building on the mall at the smithsonian um but they are kind of a separate entity and um betsy and jeff brody who is the director or the associate director of that um, they kind of got together. I think it was because we collected that skateboard, I think, in 2011, something like that, 2012. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just there as a curator to collect this skateboard, to collect this object. And so those two put their heads together to do the kind of festival. I'm more object oriented and, you know, collections based. So I came into it once the um, festival was kind of all set and we had donors coming in. So then they pulled me into it to say, okay, Jane, these people are coming in to donate these skateboards. Now we need you to help us, you know, do this. So, but Betsy can talk about in the skate much better than I can. Yeah. I mean, I guess Betsy, I mean, for anyone listening, like maybe they don't know what it is. I've watched some of the videos over the years, but I mean, what is in skate? Like, you know, for anyone tuning in that may not know what it is. It's a public program that is from the Lemelson Center for Innovation and Invention. And Jeff Brody, who is the deputy director, thought that through the lens of skateboarding, you could really tell stories of invention, creativity, innovation. And for most people, when you think of inventors, you think of like white guys in lab coats, right? Mm -hmm. You don't think of kids. You don't think of skateboards, you know? as Jeff started getting more and more involved in skateboarding and learning about, um, I remember he was, we went to Florida to pick up Tony's um, 1980 skate deck. And it was an all, like, what was it? All 80s jam or something. Christian Soy was there and they were, nice. they were, they were skating on their 80s stuff. 
and he was just talking to Christian Asoy, and he noticed that Asoy's deck had these, you know, was a different shape. And so it's like, yeah, I just needed a place to grab it. So I just changed it this way. And like this light bulb went out in Jeff's head. He was like, you mean you invented that? And so I was like, well, yeah, I guess. Um, that that kind of spur of the moment invention that happens all the time in skateboarding that skaters take for granted really intrigued Jeff. And so he decided to do this festival. He called it InnoSkate. And we just lucked out. We got Rodney Mullen to come and Tony and a bunch of skaters. We had a great kind of uh, sessions where they would talk. We had, oh, Brian Anderson was there. Nice. I'm trying to think of a lot of female skaters, Cindy Whitehead, um, Robin Logan, um, Laura Thornhill, Patty McGee. So all these people nice. came, they donated. Um, we had some films. And what was really, um, I think, satisfying is we had a lot of people show up during this festival and maybe a lot of people that would never think they'd find themselves in a museum. Well, and we set up a half pipe right in front of the museum. Yeah, well, yeah we sat up a nice. little bit that was skatable. So, there you yeah. go. And yeah, so cool. we had people, I think, thinking about the Smithsonian in a different way, that it's not just dinosaurs, you know, and airplanes. And that it was very much a contemporary culture type of place. So Inescape has gone around the world, actually. I think Jeff has done something in yeah. London. Mm -hmm. We did something with MIT, which was really interesting. I mean, every time it goes someplace, we'll, we'll work with the home crowd. Yeah. And we went to North Carolina. We worked with a children's museum. And it, it just very different themes come out. Yeah, they went to um they went to North South Dakota last year and did it with the on the Indian reservation there. Yeah, on the Pine Ridge Reservation, they right. did something. So it's interesting. It's very it's it's a public program and and it changes locations and wherever it is, it kind of uses the local skate team or local skate shop and and really caters it to to the local um, history skate history there. We were in Florida. In Lakeland, and they had just there's a really nice skate park in Lakeland, so we had lots and lots of programs in Lakeland. So yeah, it's a really interesting program, and it you know it's it changes all the time. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, one of the ones I watched recently was the one with Paul Schmidt, and I, I can hear him talk about you know skateboards forever, and just he went down the line and talked about various boards. But it's it's very cool that you know um, yeah, like I like how it's you, it was mobile, so you you're not just one city, one state. You know, you, you it's you know all over the place, which makes it more you know accessible for those that are and some you know, like you said, some stumbled upon it too. They see a ramp, or what's this all about, and they learn yeah. more about the program. You know, what is this doing in front of a museum? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I like that juxtaposition. I like the fact that skateboarding can change people's ideas. For example, when I did Ramp It Up, Skateboard Culture in Native America, people were like, you mean Native American skate? It was like such a weird concept. And it was so easy to get them to kind of like in five seconds realize that Native Americans are in contemporary life. Not only do they skate, but they're lawyers and doctors. No, they don't live in teepees. I mean, it just took that stereotype, ripped it. Exactly. And, you know, native kids are like every other kid. And well, and we did, we have the same thing like in the, in the museum, the curators, you know, so sometimes curators can be rather, 
I don't know, <laughs> boring and stayed. <laughs> um, so when I when I wheel um, a cart through the hallway with um, like the hanging Klansman deck on it, right? They're like, what is that? You know, they're like, what is that? And I'm like, well, it's a skate deck. And yeah. they're like, no way. So, you know, I mean, even within academia and scholarly pursuits and that kind of thing, you know, we can change somebody's, you know, perception of skateboarding. And it's not just a bunch of, as Betsy likes to say, blonde boys, you know, skating in California in the sunshine. You know, <laughs> exactly. it's, a lot of, it's a lot more, it has a lot more depth than that. So true. And you have to turn to those curators and say, do you even know who Jim Thebow is? Come on, get with the exactly. <laughs> but that's a good, it's a good way to introduce them to him and yeah, say, exactly. look, this is this guy, you know, and Natus Coppice was the, you know, the artist. And, you know, so it's a way to get them to, you know, appreciate skate. So true, actually. So which leads me to so I mean, Jane, what's it like being a sports curator? I mean, do you do you lose sleep at night or how how do you balance that? I mean, just I'm trying to think how that is. Um, you know, I mean, there's a couple of us, so I know I don't lose sleep, but <laughs> trust me. Um, as I said, you know, I kind of find my niche in skateboarding and and mm -hmm. um surfing and snowboarding, you know, those kind of like extreme um sports. I also do adaptive sports. Um, which, you know, Paralympics, that yeah, kind of stuff. Cool. I'm also kind of specialized in the Olympic sports. So anytime the Olympics is on, I lose sleep then because I have to kind of keep up with all the different sports and who's winning and who's doing a first or who's losing really bad or whatever, um, mm -hmm. you know, depending on, on what's going on with that. Um, so I do have curators that do the more kind of the more traditional sports, your baseball, football, hockey basketball i mean i do have a hand in those but i tend to lean more toward the extreme just kind of the non-traditional sports yeah yeah i mean i ask because um like how difficult is it to like you have say two items in front of you how, how difficult is it to kind of decide you know which which one to add to the collection well yeah because we do have a kind of a process we have to go through where we have to um really kind of research the object and and learn you know, it's provenance, whose it was, who owned it, who used it, who made it as much as we can. And then um, that really kind of decides for us. Like if we had, a, um, you know, the the Hanging Klansman deck. So we got that right from Jim Thibault. Mm -hmm. um, we got the original artwork that was Natus Coppice. So, you know, we know the provenance of that. That's That makes it really a rich piece, right? Now, somebody could have offered us a Hanging Klansman deck that they bought off the internet, or maybe yeah. they had one and they wrote it, and then they wanted to donate it. So, you know, mm. let's say you have those two. Well, we're obviously, we're going to take the one from the person who actually thought this thing up, right? So we, we wouldn't take just the regular person's deck. Now, we yeah. do take plenty of regular person's deck. I mean, you know, we have um, in the book, we talk about the Connor family. Mm -hmm. So there was a, he was 14 years old. He was like a pro skater in in, North, in Virginia. His dad, who was 50, decides to take up skateboarding. So he made like his own skateboard and that kind of thing. Well, his son wanted to get him a real skateboard for Father's Day. So he bought him this skateboard, this caster, caster skateboard. Oh. Um, he, you know, he gave it to his father. His father's like, oh my gosh, this is great. The father wrote it for a while. Then it went into the garage. Then the, the kid grows up, has a kid, wow. fishes the skateboard out of the garage, 
And so he teaches his kid how to ride on his caster skateboard, right? So it has this like multi-generational sport. It tells this story of how skateboard touches, you know, all these generations. It's passed down through the family um, and everybody used it. So we took that board because that's a cool story, right? Yeah. We've got pictures cool. of the, um, the kid, the original William Connor skating it. We don't have pictures of the dad. That would have been great. Oh, we don't yeah. have pictures of the dad. But um, yeah, I mean, so that tells. And they also, so they donated the skateboard. And then they found his, the dad's um, gloves, helmet, and elbow pads or knee pads. And they donated those afterwards. Nice. It's kind of as an afterthought. But yeah, I mean, you know, and that was a great representation of 70s, um, you know, safety equipment that we did yeah. not have. So, yeah. you know. Just another story to add to it. So, yeah, it's it really is difficult to kind of balance that. You know, we don't have all the room in the world. You'd think we would because we're the Smithsonian, but we don't. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. And every item that we take into the museum, we have to care for. So we have to give it we have to give that caster skateboard as much care as we do the ruby slippers or, um, you know, Lincoln's top hat. You know, it's all the same. It's not the same stuff, but it is the same stuff because it's a Smithsonian object. So, you know, you really have to you really have to take care and, and, and kind of balance what you're bringing in. And we have 600, you know, skate objects. And that's just within the last 10 years that we brought these things in. And so, you know, we've really had to pick and choose. And now that the book is out, they I think they let me um, collect a little more lenient leniently because I was doing this book and I'm like, oh, we really need to talk about this. And we really need to talk about that. And it'd be great for the collection. But now that book is done and <laughs> they're saying, hey, can we slow down on the skateboarding? Because we got a lot of stuff now and there's a lot of other sports we have to focus on. No, so, so you know, so we do have to have to be leery of that. So yeah, when I, well, I was when I was glancing over the chapters, you know, the book, um, you know, one that really popped up the page for me was Tim Brosh. That was chapter five. And it was, you know, yeah. titled The Beginning of the Skate Collections. And I was a huge fan of Tim, you know, RIP, of course. And uh, he was just a, a huge, and I'm glad to see, for one, I was glad to see his name in the book. And, and it's kind of dawned on me like, wow, wait, Tim Brosh is in this book. He's in this skateboarding history of like forever. And, and it, it was, I mean, maybe you can elaborate more on the story, but how did it become that his stuff would became, because this was right after Tony Hawk gave the board, right? So his was the second collection given. Is, is that, do I have my notes correct? No. So okay. um, Tim Brouch, his um, his family gave his objects in 2000. Okay. And Tony Hawk's board didn't come to us until I think 2011. Okay. So we, so we had a couple of skateboards, not many, maybe three yeah. in the collection up until then. And the curator before me, um, Ellen Hughes, she, um, I think her, the family contact, I, I don't even, I don't know. I can't say for sure if okay. the con family contacted her or if she contacted the family, but she was working on an exhibit called um, Breaking Records, Breaking Barriers. Hmm. And um, it, it included objects from like Willie, uh, Hank Aaron and um, hmm. Muhammad Ali and just all these, uh, Billie Jean King, you know, all these people, um, big names in sports, but she wanted um, a skateboarder. She wanted that different kind of, you know, non-traditional sport. And yeah. so it it either happened that they contacted her or she contacted them. I think they contacted her and said, you know, would you like some of the stuff? And she basically, that kind of became 
the basis for the modern for our you know skate collection so it was his his objects because there's you know there's probably like 30 or 40 things that they donated you know his clothing yeah. his trophies his decks uh complete skateboard um you know posters uh magazines i mean all different kinds of things that they had collected that he had collected and that really told the story of Tim Brausch and basically mm -hmm. skateboarding in the nineties, you know, yeah. how you, you, you competed in the castle league and you got little trophies and then you made it up into, you know, you got a sponsor and then you, you know, kind of made your way, got your first deck, this, 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 you know, all those steps that you have to do. And, it, you know, we have like one of the big checks, you know, the big oh, nice. like happy Gilmore checks that, nice, you know, nice. that you win. And um, I think that was from the Vans Triple Crown that he had won. And we have the trophy from that. Um, so it really and we have his, um, you know, his Estee line that he and mm -hmm. Sam Anaga had, yep. you know, created. So we have clothing from that and shoes. Um, Etnies, I think it was one of his sponsors. So we have some of those. So, I mean, it really kind of, I don't know, just kind of tells his story, tells the skate story of the of the 90s there. So that was really a, a complete kind of collection. And that's kind of why I talked about that in the book, that it, it represented all sorts of different objects. And um, and this one skater who told the story of a whole bunch of different skaters coming up yeah. in the 90s. Yeah. And I honestly, because I just even going into it, like I didn't expect to see Tim in that book. So it was, it was, it was a cool little like surprise for me too I was like oh wow this is this is awesome you know so I just I just wanted to point yeah. it out you know that's and it's cool to hear kind of the backstory uh, about it as well mm -hmm. that's good so I guess um regarding like Smithsonian and skateboarding I mean, how, how how did this come about because most people like I think you uh maybe Bessie mentioned earlier like most people don't you know have skateboarding in their mind where you know think of Smithsonian so how is it, how cool is it that these worlds kind of collided and and did you two have like any say in and help in that you know assistance in bringing that to the light i think we did um i mean as i said the the collections only had a couple skateboards in the mm -hmm. collection in the beginning you know like in the in the i think these were collected in the 80s um and those were for an ex exhibition on material culture so like material like materials like um one yeah. was a quicksilver board so it was aluminum and you know the other one had a um had a kicktail was a pal peralta so it was um it, they were collected for their materials what they were made out of they weren't really collected because it was a skateboard and we're going to study skateboarding history it wasn't like yeah. that at all so it wasn't until we got the tim Brouch stuff that actually you know kind of everything started to gel together and we collected a couple other things, but then once that Tony Hawk board hit and we got the, um, the Inescate, um, kind of exposure, then people really started to kind of, hmm. okay, Hey, I'd love to collect, uh, I'd love to donate to, to the Smithsonian. And I think, um, as Betsy often says, skaters are getting older and they appreciate you know their history and when the smithsonian comes knocking you know it's hard to say no <laughs> i mean we're the smithsonian we do have that going for us so um yeah and you know we don't take everything we don't have every deck we don't have a thousand decks you know we have to take quality over quantity and that of course, yeah you know and that helps with the the different kind of people we meet and um and betsy of course and she can speak to this you know she did the ramp it up 
And that's one of the reasons Tony Hawk's people contacted us was because they saw these um, decks that she had to buy off eBay and she had gotten different decks. Well, I'll let her tell you about a timeline. So you go ahead, Betsy, you take it from here. (laughs) The first donations were from Craig Stefik and George Powell. Uh, But again, it it was because of the materials that were in the skateboards. Mm. For experimental aluminum honeycomb, they were prototypes for Stacy Peralta. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't so much that they were the Smithsonian was interested in skateboarding; they were interested in these hybrid materials. And then the Brouch family donation came in, and again, that was very much a sports kind of um, personality uh, driven. And then when I did ramp, it was very much skateboarding as identity, a skateboard culture, and these native kids using their skateboards. Um, there were these native skateboard brands to really express their their native culture. And it sort of shifted into skateboarding having a history, skateboarding having meaning. In a skate, of course, started people thinking about skateboarders as being inventive. And I think what Jane has said is that um, the way we collect, the Smithsonian really pursues skateboarding as an important part of American history, of American mm-hmm. culture. Um, there are skateboarding museums. Our collection is not, I mean, there are better private collections. I would say better, I don't know, more comprehensive out there, but we're not just about skateboards. I mean, I like to say the stuff and the stories. So Connor family skate is a great, great um, example of how the Smithsonian collects. Of course, we say, well, you know, we don't, we're not a Hall of Fame. But then again, we have like the first skateboard that Tony ever rode that was given to him by his brother Steve. Or we have Jim Thebo's hanging clampet. We do have some outstanding kind of holy grail things, but it's the story that they that they display and it's how you can use them to tell American history yeah that makes sense so you know we have a lot of um the stories that we tell we tell stories of you know women and stories of minorities and um trans and all sorts of things all sorts of different issues social issues black lives matter I mean COVID, we have a lot of things that are now illustrating what's going on in America and how skaters are um, responding to that. Yeah. It's an interesting collection. Um, and and it's the only collection like it in the world. We're the only museum in the world that is collecting skateboarding as relics of history and culture. So, I mean, I, I'm sure there's going to be all sorts of other museums that will start doing this, but we just somehow lucked into being, you know, the first and the only. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, I guess I mean, I'll, I'd like to shift to the book now. I mean, it's called Four Wheels and a Board. And for anyone tuning in, it's out now, right? You can get it now, buy your book, buy it as a Christmas present, whatever you need to do. But how how long did this book take you guys right? No, I think it's you guys started it over COVID and it was stalled or how did, what was the process like for you guys? Too. I, think, I think we started it before COVID, didn't we? Yeah, I in 2018, did we get together? Just yeah, I think so. I was kind of chit-chatting, and I was like, you know, which 
2020 Olympics, that seemed to kind of be maybe a good thing. To, and we said, well, you know, we'd like to, maybe it's a good time to have a book because the skateboarding will be in the Olympics. And that makes a good reason why the Smithsonian would want to have a book about the history. Right. Of so, you know, we had to pitch it to Smithsonian Books and mm. they gave us a green light and we were doing our research and we were, you know, going, we, we had these long kind of road trips where we were talking to lots and lots of skaters. And then it was what, February in 2019 was when the Smithsonian kind of shut down mm. COVID. Yep. And Dana and I- Was COVID 20, wasn't COVID 2020? Was COVID 2020? Oh my gosh. I know I'm like- I, the years are a blur, right? So I'm trying to think. We've lost years. I think it. I think COVID was 2020. All right, because because uh, we okay. went and did. Um, we wanted to do oral histories with with skaters. 2020. You're right. Yeah. You're yeah. Right. So that we did. Right, because right before everything shut down, we went to in January. We went up to New York City, January 2020, and mm -hmm. like um, interviewed um, Alexis Sablone and Brian Anderson and the New York guys and um. Uh, Leo Baker, and then we went to California, and we went like we got back from California like two days before we shut down, pretty much before the whole world shut down. And we had gone from San Francisco all the way down to San Diego, talking to a, a lot of different, um, doing oral histories with a lot of different characters. That's for sure. Like Skip, Skip Engblom, boy, he was a that was a long oral history. <laughs> <laughs> and we we barely got out of like 1970 with Skip. <laughs> no, we really need to go back with our, our batteries were getting low. No, <laughs> we told him at least another 10 hours. Oh but. my. Yeah, but so we got we had done all these oral histories and we were doing all this research and 2020, you know, the COVID hits and then SI Books, like halfway through like the summer, SI Books decides to like dissolve. They were going to get rid of SI books. So then the, our book was like, well, now what are we going to do? So then that we were pitching it to other people, but then SI books started back up again. So I think at the end of 2020 is when we really kind of started to hit high gear and go back into the, um, the writing and all that kind of stuff. And by that time, the 2020 Olympics had been postponed. Mm -hmm. so, so the book was kind of in fits and stops, you know, like we, yeah. we were going great guns with the oral histories and we were trying to lay out like this is these are the stories we had an idea it should be chronological mm -hmm. we could take the objects that we have and and you know what do we have for the 60s what do we have for the 70s in terms of objects but then what stories do we have and we were kind of you know storyboarding it laying it out um table of contents and then there was no smithsonian books and we had no home for this book. And then all of a sudden there is Smithsonian books and we're doing the book. But the Olympics, it, it was just very strange. And I remember we had gotten all of these people on contract, you know, writing the book and having deadlines. And then it was like, uh, whoops. So many people were calling us saying, oh, should I write? Is oh. there still a book? And we said, I don't know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> together. And we got deadlines and people, and then there was the book. And I guess we finished writing 
in the summer summer of 22 yeah this past summer wow and then it it, yeah and then it was printed and then it finally came out in november so there's a long lag between when you finish writing to when you see it um but that it's out so and it's selling really well i'm happy about that Mm -hmm. good Um, and we've we've been very lucky in that we've received a lot of positive feedback from, you know, skaters. And I guess I'm always thinking, you know, there's the quintessential like OG hardcore out former alma skater guy going, you don't know how to kick flip grandma. You know, (laughs) I was kind of always expecting that kind of, um, but um, it's been, it's, it's, I'm very happy that it has been well received. Yeah, that's it's- awesome. No, I enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, and and you mentioned some of the process, because uh, I thought about that, too. Like you mentioned uh, postcards or you know, storyboard. I mean, not storyboards. Uh, you guys are you know, laying it out, you know, because it was obviously was chronological order. But order. But what was there? What was kind of your process like? Because you still had your quote unquote day jobs, right? Or were you all <laughs> in on the book? Oh, yeah. We still had our day jobs. Still yeah, had our day jobs. that's tough. Yeah, it I was, mean, at least my day job was kind of uh, it, it could coincide with the book. You know, I could collect objects related to the book, but I was also doing an exhibit on Title IX, you know, mm, women in sports and everything. Yeah. So and it was opening in this June, just wow. when the book was wrapping up. So I'm like, like going the first half of this year, I was like insane. You know, I'm like, Betsy, could you could you do this for me? Because I can't I just don't have time. And, you know, yeah. So it was, I'm glad we had a, I had a um, cohort to, to help me out there for a little while. Yeah, no. exactly. And Jane and I, it's funny because when we took our long road trip, it was interesting because, you know, I'm a morning person. Jane's a night person. She's a great driver. I'm a great math reader. <laughs> um, it, we just kind of fell into our roles. And when Jane would get caught with something, it just turned out, okay, I have some time, Jane, I'll take this. And then when I was, because my job is, you know, I work at the Native American Museum. I had a bunch of projects that I had to do. And I just say, Jane, I've got to open up this memorial. And Jane said, okay. So we, I feel really lucky. I think we really mm-hmm. found a good rhythm. Yeah. Uh, a pattern of, of what we like to do and what we could do. I was really slow on transcribing all the oral histories. Jane, oh, I bet. <clears throat> so slow. It took me forever. Jane could do them like... but that's also part of my job you know normally so I'm kind of used to that so it was easy for me to do so I just took over the oral history stuff and I said let me do them I'll take care of that part and you know and I like the timelines I get like really obsessed and down rabbit holes with the timelines yeah Um, but yeah yeah, we had to we had to pull pull Betsy back from the timelines because she had like I don't know 150 200 things and it was like no only 35 fit on the page and she's like what? <laughs> i know it, so it was, i had to go cross some out and, and then get it the back to her it yeah. was a lot of work oh yeah it was the hardest thing i've ever done well um, i i guess it leads to my next question then would you do this again yeah of course i mean <laughs> i mean and maybe 10 years, I'm going to be so old, I might not even be alive. But in t- I think that, you know, in 10 years, there might be a reason to look back and kind of do more, you know, recent acquisition, what's what's come into the collection. Plus, Jane and I are, 
we hope we'll be doing a large traveling exhibition of Smithsonian skateboard culture that travels around the country in probably 2025, 2026. We're working with the Smithsonian, um, they're called Smithsonian Institution Traveling Exhibition Services, otherwise known as SITES. There you go. So we're hoping that that happens. And so that's just, it's, exhibitions are very different than writing books, but I, I'm, I really hope we can do that. I love exhibitions. I love seeing them. So, I'd um, much rather do an exhibition than a book. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you, and I've done, I mean, we did, I've done lots of exhibitions in my career. I opened up the only in the first national memorial to Native American veterans at the Smithsonian. So I've done a national memorial. Um, books are hard. They, <laughs> I mean, yeah. National memorial than do another book, let me tell you. I've started a book, but that's all I, I mean, I hate even saying that because, oh, you're a book. I, I, I would, yeah, I don't want to say I'm writing a book. It's just, I know how difficult it is, but I I, I can picture even um, I would love to read like your, just your stories of being on the road and the process, you know, just something, you know, I don't know. I'd buy it. Yeah, put me down for a copy, you know, <laughs> there you go. Betsy no pressure, though. Take trip. yeah, take your time. Well, no good road trip. There are some really I swear to God this happened. And Jane will back. We were trying to find this you know, hotel, motel, because we were going from Santa Cruz to Los Angeles. Is that that big, long drive? And we we're going to break it up. So I'm saying, all right, you get off here, you get off there, you get off there. And it just didn't look like we were going anywhere near like a hotel. And Jane's like, are you sure? And we look up, and I'm not making this up. We were underneath the Val Surf Shop. <laughs> And I was like, Jane, we had I pulled into their parking lot. Yeah. And I was like, this is insane. How did we get to Val Surf? It was, like, it was meant to be. <laughs> I have no idea how we ended up at Val Surf. But then we finally got ourselves around. But yeah, there were some interesting moments like that. That's cool. Well, actually, yeah. I mean, was there anything, even in the, this current book, was there anything like a, a favorite thing or person or article that you wrote about that stands out that you know that you enjoyed writing about well all of the things that i thought were the best stories ever and were so clever our editors didn't like oh of course <laughs> so i was like what do you mean you don't think that's fascinating yeah. um so <laughs> i would say a lot of my fascinating things did not get in jane what do you think what would be yeah. one of your favorites I mean, I, I like the Brian Anderson stuff because Brian Anderson is just such a, a really cool guy. He's just a sweetheart. And, um, you know, all his the struggles that he'd been through and, and mm -hmm. the way he did his oral history and telling his story. And, you know, it just really kind of hit hit home. I don't know. It just touched a nerve in me. And I just, um, you know, really wanted to tell that story. So that was one of my favorite. He and Leo Baker, they're yeah. just really, yeah, they're really nice people. And they have great stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that's what I mean. Stuff and stories. And story. certainly we've spoken to skateboarders before and they don't have a good story. Um, you know, it's it, whether it's just a personality or age thing. Um, but yeah, I would say Leo and Brian, definitely top 10. I mean, I loved hanging out with the Zoo York crew. Mm. Yeah. Fantastic storyteller. Yeah. Could have talked to them forever. Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah. Um, I, I can't have a favorite. I would say one of my all time favorite objects in the collection is um, the uh, Apollo 11 moon landing graphic. It was a deck done by Strange Love Skateboards. Mm. And it's all about the fake, like, you know how there are these crazy yeah. conspiracy theories. It came with its own tinfoil hat, which delighted me. And Jane would not let me wear it. She, she wanted to open that thing up and put it on. I'm like, it's a museum object. You cannot open that up and put it on. That is like, awesome. on. She's like, no one's going to know. No one's going right. to see. Exactly. So, yeah, that was a funny moment where she's looking at me like, you have got to be kidding me, Betsy. Of course, I'm not letting you wear the tinfoil hat. So, um, but getting things, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing when people come in and donate things and it means a lot to them. We just recently had a donation from Sean Cliver mm. and he was there with his wife and his son. And, you know, it was, as, as Jane will tell you, we don't go shopping. We don't go and say, Hey, we want one of these. We ask people like Sean Cliver, well, how do you want to be remembered? How mm. do you want to be represented? And what he selected was really good. Amazing. You mm -hmm. know, um, it, those are really meaningful moments. And I, I hope that, you know, Sean's stuff came in later than we couldn't get it in the book. But, you know, if we do this exhibition, we'll be able to tell that story. Nice. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's good. That's some good story. And um, your your editors, uh, they're not skaters, right? Is that why they shut down a lot of your uh, your stuff? Is that what you're thinking? Well, it's really good to have editors that aren't skaters because they can pull back and say, all right, you know, you have to explain why this is interesting. You know, because mm. like, I can well, go actually, on about like closed bearing versus open ball bearing and how amazing <laughs> that is. Because <laughs> it was really amazing. All yeah, right? that, um, yeah, exactly. But um, it was funny the things they did shut down though. So we wanted to do this thing that was kind kind of called only at the Smithsonian. So it was like let's take the Apollo Eleven deck. So we wanted to do the Apollo Eleven deck and then juxtapose the Apollo Eleven moon moon you know modular moon landing thing that is in the Air and Space Museum and kind of have that in the book and I you know say this this can only be done at the Smithsonian because not every museum has this skateboard and this yeah. moon landing yeah. thing. Yeah. But, they kind of they they shut that down. Well, it's not about skateboarding. It's like, but does it yeah. have to all be about skateboarding? <laughs> so they took like there was a like we had about I don't know seven or eight of those only, and the they time. shot them down. Mm. It was interesting. And that's what I mean. I just thought I always when I do exhibitions, I always think, what's your superpower? What's your special sauce? Like. What can my museum do that nobody else can do? Like the Native American Museum, we're not going to be able to do an exhibition on Monet, right? But we can do an exhibition that nobody else can do. For example, Native American skateboarding or something else. We can showcase things. And so I always love when I'm working with curators and we're, and we're workshopping ideas, you know, what can we do that nobody else can do? So I thought this only at the Smithsonian thing was genius. It was just so fabulous. And they were like, no, not feeling it. And I would be so crushed. Well, I, and then we yeah, also did what caught into it, you know? Yeah. We also wanted to do this like curator's corner thing where, because it's a museum book, right? Mm. 
So yeah. we would have, you know, Betsy and I would do like a curator's perspective on something like how, well, and I did, they did let me do at least one or two, but, um, but they shot those down too. Nobody wants to know that. I'm like, but, but isn't that what the book's about, you know, collecting <laughs> for a museum and curate? Yeah. I mean, but you know, so, you have, yeah. you had at one point in time after I would be like, you know, Dad, I can't believe they don't think this is amazing. Um, <laughs> I did just say, you know what? Their job is they have to sell books and they're yeah. really good at selling books. So you have to kind yeah. of trust your editor. There were That's only true. a couple of times where they wanted to cut things and I was just like, oh, hell no. Yeah. They wanted to make, they wanted to um, trim this chapter, the 70s. And they said, it's the longest like intro. I said, that's because a lot of stuff happened in the mm-hmm. yeah. It's going to be longer. And in their editorial, they, you know, they wanted to take out things. I was like, no, you have to keep that in there. You know, no, it's really important the clothes, but all bearing, you know, bearing. No, that's really important. So um, only a couple of times, though, where we kind of said, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we listen to them most of the time because they do. Yeah, they do know what they're doing and they do sell books. So we're like, OK, all right. At least we get at least you know, one curator thing where we talk about how we collect something. And I think it was the Connor family yeah, um, skateboard that we talked about that. But, you know, at least people know, okay, this is how we go about collecting something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it turned out great. I mean, I mean, you know, not everything can go in the book. Things that we really wanted in the book, um, you know, they just didn't reproduce well on a page. So I had a lot of interesting um, newspaper, original newspaper clippings, and they just don't reproduce well. Um, so a lot of these, re- what I thought were fabulous, interesting stories in the newspaper, nah. They yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, especially like you said, on the in, in person, maybe, yeah, cool, but on a, in a book, that's that's true. Especially when you have like that next to maybe a Grant Britain photo, yeah, which is like so outstanding. You know, you have to be like, oh, okay. You know, you don't want Beauty and the Beast going on. <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> was there um, was there anything that you kind of I don't know you were surprised about or learned about in the process or or writing this book? I think we were surprised that we could actually write a book. Because yeah. hey. neither of us had ever done it, you know. I mean, this was like a first for both of us. So we're like, oh, let's try this, you know. And we did have a lot of help. Smithsonian Books, Jamie oh, Schwender, who was our editor, you know, who really and Carolyn Gleason, they really walked us through the process and and you know, they were really good with us. But yeah, that <laughs> just writing the book was amazing. Just writing the book, because I'm so involved in kind of the the pitching and the passion and like really getting it. And once we got our green light, I remember saying to Jane, how do we write a book? Yeah. Now what do we do? Now what do we, how do we start? You're <laughs> we like, okay, I guess there's like a table of contents. I mean, really we were such rookies. No, um, and yeah. Bravo to, to the two of you, because I mean, I haven't written a book yet. And I think if, you know, when I'm going to say when I do, it'll happen eventually, but I don't know. I, this is, this is like a huge, this is, uh, I mean, it's, this is a b- big book to write for your first book is what I'm trying to say. There's a lot of info. It's very dense. You have the history, you know, it's so bravo. 
Good job. Well, okay. and we did have other people. I mean, you know, obviously other skaters, other people yeah. were writing essays. So, I mean, it did, you know, it, we it, we didn't do the whole book, but of um, course, but, you know, but it, that and that really kind of helped. And I think it helped to, to have somebody else, you know, to like Betsy would kind of spur me on and I would spur her on and, you know, we'd kind of bounce ideas off each other. I don't think I could have done it by myself. No, yeah. oh. you know, it would have been difficult. I could not have done it. I would have ended up in a padded cell. (laughs) I get get, like down these rabbit holes, you know, and I get all excited and I get completely, you know, absolutely uh, convinced that, you know, there's this, you know, connection between a velocipede and, and the skate stoppers and Craig Stefik. And I'm like swirling around there, not making any sense. And Jane would be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Jane would say, I don't know. Do you think this is important? And I'd say, oh, my God, it's really important, Jane. You got to write it up. You know, like this is important. Go for it. No, we were very, I I think I was very lucky in having Jane as, you know, not only co-editor, but she decided, you know, she took a big leap of faith when I said, hey, you don't know me. Do you want to go down to Florida and get Tony Hawk's? a board <laughs> yeah and it's the same thing with the smithsonian editors they had these two you know were not writers and um they took they took a chance on us and they were fabulous they were wonderful they shepherded through we had lots of copy edits and so on and so forth um we could not have done it without without a strong editorial hand let's put it that definitely way. And they Definitely. kept on schedule and they kept us sane. And, you know, I have to shout out to the designers because the book is a really good looking book. I had nothing mm-hmm. to do with that. We had great designers. Elise, what's Elise's last name? Krieger. Krieger and mm-hmm. Alex. So they made that book sing. So, you know, that's another thing. And we were also up against, you know, a lot of these people whose history we're telling are still alive, right? So, I mean, that's kind of challenging in itself because, you know, you have people saying, no, it didn't happen that way. Or you have to go to these Mm. people and say, how is this? Is this right? Is this, you know, or is this accurate? You know, because we want to get it right. Um, So, you know, that is a problem. And skaters are notoriously, I don't know if... I think Betsy will agree with me. They're very um, protective of their history. Like we're not skaters, right? So how can we write their history? But yet they're the only kind of athlete group that will say that because like I've written thousands of, you know, web labels for all these objects in my collection about football, baseball, swimming, motocross, you know, all these sports that I've never played. I'm very klutzy. I don't, I'm not an athlete, right? But that doesn't mean I can't study history of sports and write about them and have an intellectual thought about them. But, you know, like football players don't go, hey, lady, why are you writing about this? Because you've never, it's not, they don't do that. They're like, Mm. oh yeah, you know, whatever. But skaters, I think, are very protective of their history. And like, if you're not one of their, one of them, you know, they, not all of them, but I think some of them are like, you know, what gives you the right to do this? And it's that's just, great, it's very interesting. It's a great point. And I, I totally believe you. I could totally, yeah. I mean, it ha- it's, it's true, but it's like, yeah, yeah, it makes complete sense. But it's crazy. Like you said, yeah, football players. I mean, all the, yeah, it's like 
but skateboard. Yeah, Roger Stallback didn't care that I wrote a, a web label about his Dallas Cowboy jersey and his Navy jersey. Yeah, right. You know, from Annapolis, I wrote a whole thing about it. And you know, it's not like he's going, "Well, you never played football. How can you? <laughs> how can you write that label?" So exactly. Yeah. So it's just kind of yeah, interesting. It's an interesting culture. I mean, I've always been fascinated by skateboarding and its history and its culture and the skaters that make it. And I've always known the kind of locals only tribalism and it's it still will surprise me you know I never thought the skaters would think being in the Smithsonian was a cool thing and then we did mm. interstate and all the skaters were coming up to us saying oh my god I never thought I'd see myself at the Smithsonian thank you so much remember when Leo came with his mom and mm -hmm. had a picture of of their um skateboard and their and their quote was I never thought I'd be in the Smithsonian and they they find it valuable that still surprises me I'm always expecting somebody to be like yeah you know grandma you can't skate you can't kickflip yeah um, and we tried our best I mean we're not skaters so we're not going to get it 100% right but there is something about not being part and it, it, your perspective might be a little different. Um, yeah, we're not as close to it as some yeah, people. Yeah, when people are too close to it, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I like this exhibition to happen, and then we'll get even more kind of feedback from the state community. Yeah, that's a good point. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it was, we're going to start as we wrap up here. Um, you know, as you mentioned, the exhibit. So, I mean, what what's next for do you? Do you have anything on the agenda, on the pipeline for you two, or are you just kind of gonna keep your day jobs and see what happens well yeah, yeah. keep our day jobs see what happens <laughs> i'm always thinking about skateboarding so yeah she uh, just texted me uh say you know uh hey i got a line on this mike valley board i'm like okay barnyard board. <laughs> yeah we want that one yeah oh no, the barnyard I'm i had the barnyard okay yes. all right. i yeah all right. I, I actually i was so geeked out because i uh i think i i posted on my instagram and I you know, tagged Mike and he actually liked him. Oh, cool. He saw that I had this board. This was just a crazy board that was part of skateboard history that changed everything. So, yeah, you guys, I agree. It should be in the museum. I oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, um, Mike, it's you... just a question of, OK, provenance. Who's, whose board was it? Or can we get one from Valet or, you know, yeah. that kind of yeah. thing? Well, I'm always thinking about it. I'd really like this exhibition with sites to happen. Um, that's going to take, a, I mean, you think 2025, oh, that's a, for an exhibition, that's not a lot of time. So Jane and I are going to, you know, start knocking heads. What what will work? We need to raise money. I mean, it's always swirling around in my head. But yeah. I do have my real job, and I'm producing three exhibitions and um, so other exhibitions. So, yeah, it, it's it's a little bit of a resting period right now and then we'll see Jane what site says to us yep yeah if the sites thing goes through then I'll probably I'll spend a lot of time on that they'll let me kind of devote a lot of time to that but otherwise just I don't have any big exhibitions coming up or anything like that cool. so it might be an easy year for me yeah. <laughs> I think we'd really like you know, if we do this exhibition to kind of get a skateboard advisory group to really talk to people, to look at the collection, talk about strengths, talk about weaknesses, um, that would be, I think, a really good next step. 
now yeah. that this book is out, you know, can we can we pause a little bit and evaluate? So we'll see. Yeah. We just have we'll to find money, which is not easy <laughs> in the federal government. <laughs> yeah. Because oh, at God. least they just continued our funding till what? The week before Christmas or something. Oh, yeah. 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 But yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, there's, I'm always thinking about something. Good. Well, if there's thinking this exhibition or, you know, story or something. And yeah, down the road. I mean, if you have anything coming up, shoot it my way. I, I'm more than happy to to give a plug and shout it out and give some awesome. shed some light on it. So just yeah, please keep me in the loop. I'm more than thank happy you. to, to spread the word. It really thank you so much for even being interested. Again, I guess yes. I just always assume like no one's gonna read the book. Um, <laughs> what if you have a you have a pulse and you like skateboarding? I mean, it's it's you know it's 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 yeah it's I don't know it's skateboarding is awesome so I mean yeah this is a a great representation of you know art the skateboarding history so well done on as as I said earlier well job well and it's told by a lot of people who were are the skateboarding history yeah you know, key with the, people, yeah the oral histories and the essays yeah, yeah you had some some heavy heavy hitters and there's some big names so yeah it it, it you know it, it tells you a lot about the book and and the support that you have behind it so you have that too i think because this is a fairly new cultural experience we have a lot of the you know a lot of the what we call the participants are still alive and you really want to capture that yeah. that voice you know really have people tell their story i mean museums can be so off-putting because I don't know about you, but when I was little, you'd go in and it would be kind of this, like you're, you, the visitor, don't know anything. And you come into a museum where they're going to tell you, you know, mm -hmm. let us display our smartitude, as we <laughs> say. And I think that we want the voice to be the skaters, not Jane and I going, oh, let me explain skateboarding to you, Rick. Right. Perhaps you might not know this. I mean, that's just the most off-putting tone. Yeah. So, um, I'm glad we're, I really think we still have a lot more stories to tell. Good. So I guess finally, where, where can the people tune in and find you or find your work? What's the best way to find your stuff? Well, um, for me, you can go to the, if you type in ramp it up, you can see something about ramp it up. Um, also four wheels and a board. Mm -hmm. The Smithsonian um, history of skateboarding is where you can find me. I have, I mean, I'm not, like I don't have a huge cool Instagram or anything like that. So don't, don't waste your time. <laughs> yeah. If you just have to Google me and I there you comes go. up under American history, I guess, and just all the different exhibits yeah. I've done and stuff. Excellent. Yeah. And, and like you said, the book's out now, anyone tuning in, if you don't have it, definitely get it. Um, I think if you order it now, you could probably still get it in time yes, for Christmas. Yeah, probably. It's get a, it. and it's a great Christmas present or exactly. holiday present good looking good looking and it's hardback hardback yeah. and i think you can even get it on sale now so i think oh. it's really priced well so. yeah that's that's a key that's a key word because it's already difficult enough to get skateboarders to spend money so yeah. Yeah. if it's on sale hey you know it's like more yeah. power more yeah. sales exactly <laughs> well thank you too but thank you both for your time uh and like i said keep me in the loop anything you got going on more than happy to shed some light and spread the word on it i really do you know, enjoy chatting with you this past hour and, and getting to know you. Sounds Thank good. You so much, Rick. It was Th really a pleasure. It was. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good rest of your weekend. All right. Bye. You too.